Welcome to the Coming Home Well podcast with your guest host, Tish Hevel, CEO and founder of the Brain Donor Project. Join Tish as she talks to veterans and veteran caregivers about the importance of brain donation to help researchers learn more about brain injuries and diseases that affect our veteran community. Now, here's your host, Tish Hevel. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. And my guest is Cody Bates. Cody, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to start a little while ago. I'm wondering about uh, your decision to become a service member. When and why did that happen? Uh, that happened because um, my senior year, year of high school is when uh, September 11th happened. Um, obviously, that was impactful. Um, and also, I'd had... Um, both uh, both my grandfathers and uh, uncles had served in World War II, so it kind of become a family affair at that time. So, uh, I mean, with a little bit of both of those combined, I joined as soon as I uh, hit 18. It took a little while because when I graduated, I was 17, so I had to wait a little bit before I could join up. <laughs> you got to wait till you're legal anyway, right? Yep. Yeah. I've heard from quite a few people, though, that, that September 11th was quite a motivating factor to, to become involved. And then tell me, about, tell me about your service. Where were you stationed? Did you get deployed? What happened? Uh, so I signed up as a military police officer, uh, followed kind of dad's footsteps because he was a cop. So um, I ended up in Fort Stewart, Georgia. That's where I spent my entire six and a half years. I deployed to um, Afghanistan on my final deployment. Before that, I had two deployments to Iraq also. Oh, wow. So so you were deployed three times yes. total? Okay. And were you injured? Uh, several times. Tell me about him. <laughs> um, the first time was... Um, um, actually, the first firefight we were in, I received um, I received shrapnel from uh, from around ricocheting off the uh, vehicle into my neck, and then um, as far as the rest of it goes, uh, there was uh, four IEDs total, and then I'd also received shrapnel from um, um, a mortar round going off um, near our bunker too. Wow, you got kind of beat up then, huh? Yeah, the worse for the wear. Okay. Um, so six years, then you came home. Um, and did any of those injuries become, uh, make it difficult for you to reassimilate? Was it tough to come home? Um, at first they weren't, they weren't, they weren't too, too bad. Um, I just started developing uh, tremors in my left arm, which was a little, little concerning, but a lot for the longest time I had, I had had some of that built up in the military and they were chalking it up to nerve damage from the shrapnel through my neck. Um, and I had like a little bit more difficulty, like recalling information and, and, re and remembering new, new things. But it wasn't, um, hadn't been extreme at that point yet. It was only slightly noticeable. And I'm assuming this was from exposure to blast. Yes. Okay. So then things got worse. Yeah, as, uh, as the years progressed, um, all these symptoms progressed with it. And then um, did you find yourself getting depressed? Um, yes, definitely. It was a big factor of, of what, what is going on. Because if you look at a lot of the literature with TBIs, um, most of the literature out there says within six months, most things should clear up. 
um, there's not a lot out there, and there's still not a lot there this day talking about the lot more of the long term effects. So there was a lot of that, and then the other big issue was um, um, I, if this happens a lot and gets missed a lot. Um, my third ID had actually ruptured um, and damaged my pituitary really, really bad. I wasn't producing testosterone on my own, so my body was slowly running out of it bit by bit, and that actually caused uh, major depression. I had never heard of that, Cody. I didn't know that was a thing, but it is, huh? Yes, I ran into uh, several other service members who had that same issue. From blast? Yep. Wow. The pituitary is really sensitive. It kind of just hangs there like a punching bag, and unfortunately it takes the the hit. Takes a hit, sometimes. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's not something they routinely test for? No, because uh, normally while you're in the service, especially you're you're physically fit and you're getting the exercise, your testosterone tends to be high to begin with. And it's not something a lot of doctors think about checking on a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old. So yeah, it, it gets overlooked a lot. That'd be upsetting. That would be upsetting because you'd start to feel like, what is going on with me? And there were, were there other symptoms that got worse? Um, yeah, the, uh, the ability to retain new information became uh, a lot, lot worse. It uh, mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort now. Um, I, had, I did the workforce for a little while and then I wanted to take advantage of my GI Bill and I got out and did some college. I attempted, because I, I do well with the medical field, I do well with working with people in the medical field. Um, I attempted to pick that field. I attempted to be a, um, uh, a therapist in that field. But um, unfortunately, I was not able to retain anatomy and physiology as fast as the course is required. Man. Actually, it, it made me um, physically ill, like headaches and migraines, just trying to cram everything in there at that speed. Trying to concentrate too hard yeah. at an intensive level. And those are hard classes if you're not struggling with anything, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's when I, I, I'm not surprised that that would crop up. So... So you sought help. Yes. Um, um, uh, I'd sought help. Um, I went, tried to go through the VA system, but the early VA system was, was wholly unprepared for TBI. It's, a lot of it still kind of is. Um, and I had ran out of a lot, a lot of just bad luck with that. Um, it took a long time, but um, in, I would say 2000, 16, I believe, maybe 17. I'd finally, um, a new doctor actually came into our region uh, for neurology, um, Dr. Roberts. He has been a, a life center for me. Um, he actually did his uh, training at the, um, at the uh, oh, I believe it's the Virginia one. He did it at the polytrauma centers where they actually have a lot more in-depth training for people who were actually exposed to blast injuries. So he had a lot more thought and and uh just a lot more experience running into it so he wasn't like a lot of the other doctors who just didn't know anything about it so he's he's really helped his other thing was always that he was always open to looking at new ideas of treatment that's good so if you're doing some reading on your own and you can bring things up to him he was open yes yes so like um with him um we did um but part of part of the if I have a lot of physicality, so while the mental issues were one thing, a lot more of my symptoms actually became more physical. So the tremors became spasticity, and they became myoclonic tremors, and it became a full body issue. Um, 
especially with spasticity. I've had a lot, of, a lot of different treatments. He's helped me along with that. Um, the biggest thing, like that, though, is he's like said, open to alternative treatments. So I've went to and done dry needling, which has helped me a ton. It's a lot better than being on heavy pain meds or anything like that. So sure it's, it's a great alternative therapy for spasticity. That's awesome. So that was helpful to you. Yes. The other, the other big, big thing is um, battling depression, which is extremely common. And especially with TBIs, it's common to be where medications don't work too well. Um, he helped actually me get that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it before or heard of it, but that stellate ganglion block. I have, but tell us about it. Tell us about it. Cause that's an inter it's a surgical procedure and it's kind of an interesting one. It is. It's kind of scary though. If you just kind of hear the details of it. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we'll brace ourselves, but I, I would it like may, to hear about it. It definitely makes you nervous when you go and get it too. So it is a, um, it is a technique where basically they take a big needle and go through the front side of your neck and, <laughs> X-ray guided, of course. Yes. <laughs> and they reach back to the uh, stellate ganglion, which is a nerve um, in the back of the neck. And, uh, Way, run, at the base, the... Right? Yes. Way at the base, right? Way at the base in the back? Okay, the so they reach through everything to get to it. Go yes. ahead. And then they inject basically an anesthetic back there. Um, obviously, immediate effects are um, you're going to feel kind of a little lightheaded a little bit. For me, um, if, if it works really, really well, they uh, like I had a droopy eye for about mm hours um, no. it, it, it's 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 different and it'll make you feel a little different for me it was kind of like a like a little bit of a buzz drinking kind of feeling for a short little while but um the, the long-term effects and then obviously they recommend to do two and which i did so in about a couple several weeks apart um long-term effects were pretty amazing on it so for like for me it was a huge probably like a 90% reduction in suicidal ideation. Oh, um, that's a tremendous. Lot the, a lot of the negative voices that you, that you hear and you argue with yourself with are, are gone. Um, even when that stuff does come back up, it's not like it used to be. It's a very easy to dismiss. Um, I don't, wow. uh, I don't have the How long, long, ago, the long Cody? Many episodes. How long um, ago did you have it done? I believe it would have been a year and a half, okay. two years. I think since okay. the final one. Okay. And it's and you, so it's been a good thing for you. Yes, I've heard people describe it as um, once it starts to kick in, it just feels like a lift. Yeah, yeah, that would be a very good description. Okay, so it's the sort of thing you would recommend. It's um, mainly for depression, I thought. Mm -hmm. You know, but it, but um, you know, is that where you saw the be the best results, or was it? You know, did you feel like you could then, like your memory was getting better, your ability to retain information was getting better, or what was the most significant? It was mostly just the depression. I wish it helped memory, but just helping with the depression and the um, just the hyper awareness and everything that comes with that too is, is good enough for it. That's awesome. I'm glad you found a treatment that worked for you. Some people bounce around for a while with different things. And this doctor, is did he perform it? Or did he send you to a different neuro? He uh, he sent me to a different uh, facility since it's uh, such a such a very finite procedure. So yeah. luckily, the area I'm around this guy uh, does that kind of stuff all day long. So wow! So definitely want a doctor with steady hands. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you don't want somebody who's done it for the very first time. So mm -hmm. that's another thing. Um, but I'm so glad it worked for you. And then this doctor, I'm sure, is very pleased with your results. 
right? Yes, yeah, it's it's he's something he's used to to uh, further along uh, with other patients too. So, excellent. Thanks for being out there and taking one for the team, as they say, right? So good for yeah. you. So, did you do any kind of um, talk therapy? Um, I did. I did some kind of talk, uh, some talk therapy. It, it, it's it's good. Um, it definitely helps, especially after the uh, block, because you can work through stuff a little bit better. Um, you don't have more of the depression kicking in after after the discussions. That's nice. That's nice. I would think you could be able to see things a little more clearly rather than just feeling like you had vented and everything's awful, because that mm. sometimes happens. You know, if you yeah. don't have the. That's great. So. Okay, so I'm going to bring this over to brain donation now. Is it something that you have thought about? Um, yeah, um, for me, it's uh, pretty much a must for me. Um, when I was suffering from all those symptoms, I did a lot of, I'm a researcher by nature. I love to do research and everything. It's it, why my degree actually ended up being a, doing it paralegal because legal research. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I find that stuff fascinating too. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of research on the signs and symptoms and everything started popping up pointing to just certain more long-term neurological conditions. One of the conditions that seemed to, to vibe a lot with it was uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, the uh, basically the, the, yeah, the football yeah. disease, what most people know it as. Um, and at the time when I was looking it up, uh, Goldstein had actually just released a paper not too long beforehand. Um, he's one of the Boston researchers. He had released a paper where he had uh, exposed mice to blast injuries and then tested them for this. And he had found it in all the mice that he had actually exposed. Uh, well, the ones that survived the initial blast injury, a lot of them actually survived. <laughs> I believe that. Um, so it kind of started pushing more towards the thought of looking for that actually occurring in military. So I started researching like how to detect it in living brains. Well, it's currently not detectable. It's you hard. Do it. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. You got to wait until basically you passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of research, though, I found I did find that there is currently in production. They are testing a um, radio tracer that does detect it in living brains. It's basically mm-hmm. a modified version of the uh, Alzheimer's radio tracer that's out now. Mm. So I contacted a few scientists um, just to see if they were willing to guinea pig me on it. Um, And I got lucky enough. I reached out to um, Dr. Dickstein and Dr. Gandhi. They were doing it um, as part of the Alzheimer's research, Alzheimer's fund research. Uh Uh, They were working on NFL and uh, he hadn't been interested about looking at soldiers. So um, I discussed it with him, um, told him all the signs, symptoms and everything I'd been exposed to. He became interested. And so he went on ahead and tested me. Um, shortly after that, we kind of had some discussion further about that, about what he'd be looking for if he kept doing military. And then all the final uh, 10 people we actually went through in that experiment ended up being all veterans. Wow. So you were able to join the study mm-hmm. and he ran the tracer. Yep. Tell me about the results. Um, well, you can say you can kind of see them because I saw them for the first time too. This is part of part of the experiment. You're not really supposed to see it. They kind of give you the results afterwards, um, yeah. but you know you don't really ever see them. See them, but um, right. I, I was a little bit different case because they actually had me go in and they recorded it for uh, sixty minutes. So no way. They, yeah, wow. so the actual, yeah, so they, they aired it then. So that was actually the first time I saw the results in person, too. But wow. it's, so you got to see the actual imaging. Yeah. Yes. 
And so, and so they're able to diagnose CTE in you because of this device, mm -hmm. whereas they hadn't really been able to diagnose that until post-mortem examinations up to now. Yes. Wow. And, but this is still clinical trial. So right. it's obviously it has to wait full FDA approval. And then as the years have gone by, the actual, um, the actual mixture and stuff they've been using is actually improved. So that's good. The difference between now and five years ago is, is massive with the quality. The quality of what they're able to detect, the quality of the imaging, all that. The quality stuff. of the imaging and then the quality of the. Like um, when the first came out, it, there were certain areas where it would attach to in the brain, no matter what. Hmm. So you just have to take those areas out. The problem with that is the areas it sticks onto the most are areas that tend to be damaged more from IED blasts. So yeah, so that's counterproductive. But they were mm -hmm. able to improve it. Yes. That's amazing. So brain donation is a part of that study. You committed to, you know, they're doing this while you're alive. And mm -hmm. do they continue to do it? Is it ongoing or is that part of the study concluded for you? That part of the study is concluded that if there had been more money and research to it, they'd like to have done a more long-term studies, especially on all the people that did test positive on it. So sure. that way they could have more of a track progression rate, especially. Yeah. Um, but the, the funding just isn't currently there for that right now. Um, that's why the brain donation is extremely important with that because that's, yes, it's critical yeah. because part of the FDA process is you have to prove that it worked correctly. And yeah, the only and way to do that is to examine the brain afterwards. Right. Right. Although they kind of got some of the information, but this will be the final validation, which yes. is awesome. And you know what? Um, I'm sure you, you know, this since you've done so much research, but I wasn't aware that blast injury creates a whole different kind of scar tissue than, than a, you know, a physical brain injury. Well, it's still physical injury, but you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah. Um, it creates the so, astroglial scarring. Right. So that'll be interesting to see not only where that is, and what it's done, but also because of all the other stuff, what is done to your white matter, mm -hmm. you know, because that that's a factor as well. And, um, man, that is so cool that you did that, you know? I mean, there's good and bad. Now you know you're walking around with CTE. So, you know, um, does it make you a little bit – most people don't have the luxury of knowing that about themselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People that have had injuries or people that have played the sports are like, oh, I got to watch out for some stuff. But now, you know, I really got to watch out for some stuff. So what mm -hmm. are you watching out for? And does it make you paranoid? Um, I mean, you know, when it kind of hits home, it's, I mean, it's a little, little bit harsher. I mean, it is, it's not a great medical sentence to get on you. But at the same time, you've already, like, I was already suffering from all those issues for years anyway. So to me, it was, it was actually, a, it was better to know because it's an answer. So, mm -hmm. and with yeah. an answer, I can at least know if this is what's coming, this is what I can do to make my quality of life better over the years. There you go. How old a guy are you, Cody? Um, <laughs> at least I have trouble remembering my age off the cuff. <laughs> uh, 38. 38. It's okay. I try to forget mine too. So I totally know where you're coming from on that. Um, I'm, I'm sure that it's been incredibly important to have a supportive partner through all of this stuff and i don't have to be the one to tell you how fortunate you are in that regard right oh yes yes yeah does is um does she let you know when she thinks you might need to focus on a certain thing 
Um, sometimes I'm pretty good about staying staying focused still. So mine's more surprised. of mine's yeah. more of just forgetfulness. So I need somebody to help me remember things. So she's always yeah. been my um my big key help in the remembering appointments and like or what I need to say in appointments. Like the night before, um, I just went to Dr. Roberts the other day, the night before we sat down and talked about what I need to discuss there and wrote some stuff down so I could bring with me. It's important for anybody, whether or not mm-hmm. you you know have trouble remembering things. Um, are, um, so you're going to, you're going to in a kind of a long-term relationship. That sounds weird with Dr. Roberts, right? He's continuing yes. to work with you and he's going to mm-hmm. follow your progress and, and, um, if and when you do start seeing symptoms of CTE, because it might, you know, because of the block and some other things you've done, you might not be as symptomatic as the next guy. Is that possible? Um, mine's mine is um, a little more physical, so because there is a there is a couple different types of CTE. So there is okay. a rare type um, that. Um, that they found uh, in a few football players called CTM, hmm. uh, which it, it, it tends to not just hit the brain, but it goes into the spinal cord. Um, so mm-hmm. it causes more like the movement disorder things that I have, so more like the Parkinsonomas, gotcha. the spasticity, um, like which mine is in such extreme that I actually have a back with a bump in, in put in me now, so to cut that back. Yeah. And I'm also on, on Parkinson's medicines to slow down the um, basicity and the uh, dystonic reactions. So gotcha. because I every few every few weeks I'll, I'll have a new muscle group lock up in the dystonia. Oh, isn't It'll that fun? Locked. It stays locked. Well, luckily it used to stay locked until the muscle tore. Um, but between the back and pump and the and the uh, Parkinson's med, it stays locked for about five to six days, and then I can Ugh. go back to it partially. So. Dude. My my stuff's unfortunately a little more physical. Uh, yeah. As, as far as the cognitive, the biggest things I suffer is just uh, the extreme forgetfulness and memory issues, yeah. um, speech issues. Um, a lot of that's a lot of that's been um, is basically dependent on how I treat everything else. So, um, like another thing that a lot of veterans probably with TBIs don't know, um, after your first one, you have an increased chance of ha- developing sleep apnea. Two or more, you probably do have sleep apnea. Um, like we injuries? never knew. Two or more I- injuries? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, two or yeah, more yeah, blast yeah. injuries, you have extreme yeah. chance of having it. Um, every, me and my soldiers that did, that were two or more, all have sleep apnea. Yeah. Um, didn't realize I had it at first. I never snored. I don't snore. You know, when yeah. I went and did my sleep study, I think they said it was six minutes is all I snored for the whole night. Um, huh. But I had, That's I had unusual. extreme, yeah. I had severe sleep apnea, though. <laughs> how, how could, uh, because of, because you were waking a lot or because you were having, um, you know, episodes that they were detecting? A lot of episodes. So with the TBI, it's more common to have, um, to have uh, a lot more high, high pop, uh, hypoxias where you're just not yeah. breathing enough yeah. during yeah. your sleep. Um, yeah. But it, uh, I was waking up about five or six times a night too. So, Wow. Dude, you've been through it. And can I just tell you when you just mentioned before that sometimes there's speech issues, I was like, you're managing very well. I mean, you know, I have to talk very slowly. <laughs> well, you're, it doesn't feel that way. So you're, you're doing a great job of staying on top of some of these things that you're aware affect you, you know? So, okay. So you're going to donate your brain. Did you mm-hmm. feel funny about that? 
Actually, no, not at all. That's one of the few things that didn't didn't even think twice about it. Good. That's been my experience too, just so you know. It's like once people understand how important that is, which obviously you do, you know, any like I'm gonna use a clinical term here, hinkiness they have about that kind of goes away, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I should mention to anybody who's watching that, you know, your wife just stuck her head in and said she wants to donate her brain and can I send some information about that? And I can't tell you how important that is um, for many reasons. And so I, I, I'm, I'm glad to have the chance to talk to a military guy about the importance of having people you love also consider donating their brains. Um, you know, they need the, they call them unaffected controls, and who knows if that's what any of us will be by the time we die. Um, but they need all kinds of brains. That's very, very clear. And so, you know, I love to be able to tell people, you know, that you you may have a certain disorder or you may have a certain injury that has affected you and that makes you personally want to do this. But please talk to your, you know, your people. You know, any all your friends and family that they can support the advancement of science too. Um, you know, from wherever they are in the mm-hmm. whole spectrum. So, so where will your brain go then? Where's this study? Is it? Did you say it's in Virginia? The study that um, I'm sending it to uh, both of them, both major places. So I'm going to have some of it or have some of it go to uh, VA, Boston University VA. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to have some go to uh, Dr. Pearl with the National Institute oh, at the Health. VA. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Pearl's doing some really great work. So that, yes, he that's is. Awesome. He's a really, really nice guy. <laughs> yeah, everybody speaks very highly of him. He's he's done a lot for veterans, which is fantastic. So, um, okay, this is the part where I ask you: um, Do you have any advice for people who've gone through so, things similar to you? And, and and what you've been through is is a lot. Cody, I mean, not only the blast injury, and I've spoken to people with blast injury, and that has a certain set set of symptoms, but the physicality of yours, you're right, is something I hadn't really talked to people about before. So, um, and the fact that you bounced around a little bit trying to get help and felt like none of that was effective, is there a way other people can save time and, and get what they need a little more quickly? Um. Biggest thing is be your own advocate. You really, really have to be your own advocate. You have to do your own research. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, like I know the organization my wife works for, they put all that information out there that they can about TBI and TBI treatments and everything like that. And they're not the only one. It's, it's out there. It's just it's a matter of finding it. And you're, you're not going to find it just going to the doctors, the VA, they said, or doctors even in the civilian market. It's just not a common thing that a lot of them deal with. So it's really, really, really have to be your own advocate. And you have to realize that because it's something newer and a lot of people aren't ready to deal with, it's going to take some time to, to find what makes you comfortable in life with it. That's very good advice for a lot of different things. You know what I mean? You really do have to educate yourself and not rely on the information um, coming to somebody else who's going to advise you, especially in all things medical. Um, Cody, you've been through a lot. I know I've said that a bunch of times and you're like, yeah, 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 lady. But um, I really appreciate you talking about it so candidly and and taking the time. Um, So many of the things that you have already done um, in your own treatment 
will help future generations by a ton. So before they even get their hands on your brain, they're learning a ton from you. And I just want you to know I really admire what you've done. Thank you. I appreciate that. You bet. Thanks for joining us today, Cody. It's been wonderful meeting you. I really appreciate the time you've spent. Thanks for having me again. All right. Take care, sir. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Coming Home Well podcast with your guest host, Tish Hevel. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. If you're interested in pre-registering for brain donation, please visit braindonorproject.org. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast underscore BTS. Thank you for listening to Coming Home Well.